Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. When you consider the passages where we see what Jesus Christ did when he was on earth, you see that he did many wonderful things. I mean, consider the miracles of Jesus Christ when he was here on earth. I mean, we could just go through down the line and and think about how he healed the blind. Consider that man, that blind Bartimaeus, and he was there by the side of the road and just heard that Jesus was coming by, and and, uh, he shouted and tried to get the attention of Jesus Christ, knowing that Jesus was the only one that could heal him. Jesus was the one who could change his life, and and, uh, he was crying out to the Lord, come, heal me. And we consider that Jesus cared for blind Bartimaeus, and he came and he healed him. We consider how he cast out the demons of so many. I mean, consider the the maniac of Gadara. There's a man in the land of the Gadarenes, and he was possessed of many devils and and, uh, out of control. The demons were the ones that were in control, and he was living in the tombs and screaming and cutting himself, and I'm sure living just the most miserable of lives. And and Jesus came, and and the devils came, they controlling him came and, and bowed down before Jesus. And Jesus cast them out, and, and you see that this man afterwards, he's seated, he is clothed, he's in his right mind, and and he desires to follow Jesus Christ. And, and we see how much that Jesus cared for him, how much that Jesus loved him, and what Jesus did for him. We consider how Jesus raised the dead to life. Remember the story of Lazarus? I mean, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. Siblings together, Jesus loved them. They loved him. And Jesus, as he's traveling around and and doing ministry and helping people, doing many good things, Mary and Martha, they're caring for Lazarus because he has gotten sick and it's gotten very, very serious. So they send a messenger over to Jesus. Jesus, you need to come. Lazarus, your friend, the one that you love, he's not doing well. You need to come. Come quickly. And, And Jesus comes, but by the time that he gets there, Lazarus has already died. And remember what the ladies are saying, they say, Jesus, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. Jesus, if you had just come a little bit earlier, Jesus, you're a little bit too late, but Jesus knew all along exactly what was going to happen. Jesus knew that Lazarus was going to die, and Jesus also knew that he was going to raise him from the dead. I mean, we see the plan of Jesus Christ. We see the power of Jesus Christ. We see the the compassion of Jesus Christ. Consider the feeding of the 5,000. I mean, of course, that was wonderful, but you have to remember the context of the situation. Jesus and the disciples have already been ministering for a long time, and they are tired. They're very tired, and so much so that Jesus said, hey, let's get away. We need to get away for a little bit. But when he saw the multitudes, the Bible says that Jesus was moved with compassion. He saw them as a sheep that had no shepherd. And and he saw the multitude and he he recognized his need for some rest. He He recognized the need of the disciples to maybe get away for a little bit. But he could not ignore the need of the people. And so he went and he served and he ministered. And the disciples are ministering. And and now it's late in the day. And now everybody's hungry. And 
and uh, they need to eat. And, and Jesus miraculously, from a little boy's lunch, feeds the 5,000. I mean, we see so many different things. We see the parables of Jesus Christ, what he taught, how he encouraged the people, how he challenged some of the people. We see the, the words that he used against the Pharisees to confront their hypocrisy, to confront the evil, wicked deeds that they were doing and oppressing the people. We see what he did for the money changers. Remember, he went to the temple and he cast out all of the money changers. I mean, what were they doing there? Well, according to the law, if you, you know, committed a sin or something, you, would, you might need to go to the temple to offer a sacrifice or different things that you would have to go. And, and uh, sometimes you would need to bring like a lamb. Sometimes you would need to bring like some doves. You might have to bring some sacrifices. And, and you can imagine the hassle of living all the way across the city of Jerusalem and bringing an animal all the way through the town, how difficult that might be. And so, you know what? There's some people that saw an opportunity and they said, hey, hey, you know what? You don't have to do that. You don't have to go through the hassle of all of that. We'll just have all of the sacrificial animals that you'll need right here. And, and you can just buy from us. And they saw a business opportunity to profit off of the service and sacrifice that should be dedicated to the Lord. And so here are some people that are profiting off of the sincerity of the people. And you can see that Jesus comes in and he casts all of them out. And, and we consider all of the many good, wonderful things that Jesus did. But we also need to remember that while he did many good things, he only had one mission. Jesus came with a very particular mission in mind. Mark chapter 10, verse number 45 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto. So the word minister means to serve. So Jesus is the king, is he not? He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He is the creator. He is the sustainer. He is God. And here is Jesus. He came to earth. And, and if God came down, it would be right for him to expect that we would serve him. Right? That we would do everything for him. But Jesus said that he did not come to be ministered unto. I didn't come so that you would do things for me. He says, but to minister. He says, I came down to minister, to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. We see the mission of Jesus Christ, which was to come to this earth to give his life in order to pay for the sins of all of mankind. We see that Jesus had a singular purpose to reach people. Luke chapter 19, verse number 10, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. I mean, it's pretty clear the mission of Jesus Christ. The mission of Jesus Christ was to reach people because people are lost, because people are in their sin, because people have gone astray. And Jesus wants to go look for them, to seek them, to help them, to save them from their sins, to save them from eternal destruction. We see the mission of Jesus Christ was to reach people and to save them. Matthew chapter 28, verse number 18 says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. 
Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. I mean, from these three passages, it's pretty clear the mission of Jesus Christ. Amen? I mean, it's pretty clear what Jesus came to do. He came to give his life a ransom for many. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And before he ascended into heaven, the last words that he gave were, you also go and teach the gospel and preach the gospel. The mission of Jesus Christ was missions. To reach people with the gospel is the mission of our lives the same mission of our Lord Jesus Christ. We know the mission of Jesus Christ. Amen? We know his purpose. We know what he came to do. Is our mission the same? Is the mission of Bible Baptist Church the same mission of Jesus Christ? It ought to be. Amen? The church is the body of Jesus Christ. And our church ought to have the same mission as our Lord. Is the mission of your life, the same mission as Jesus Christ. Because we can do many good things. We can be very busy. We can be very active. We can have all sorts of activities. We can have all sorts of things that we do and, and get together and, and uh, you know, have some fellowship together, serve in some way together. But we always need to remember what's the central mission. What's the mission? The mission is missions. The mission is to reach people with the gospel. And here in Acts chapter number 13, what I see is a church whose mission became missions. We're here looking at this church at Antioch. This church at Antioch is a, is a church that started out of the persecution that arose around Stephen. So just a few chapters before, you remember that Stephen, he was chosen to serve in the church and he preached with great power and he, and he preached to the people and they were convicted. They didn't like that. They didn't like what he was saying. They didn't like the conviction of their sin. And so they came upon him and they killed him. You remember there was one there, his name was Saul. He was a Pharisee. He was one who hated the Christians. He was one who despised the Christians. He was one who wanted to get rid of the Christians. And so he went persecuting and went everywhere. And, and he would set up, you know, all sorts of things to try to get information on where the Christians are. And he would go storm into their homes and, and arrest people and take them to jail. And, and many of them would be beaten and some would die for their faith. And, and so you can imagine under great persecution what the people would do. What would you do? If there were a Saul that was coming to look for you because you were a Christian and he was here in the city of Gardena, you know what some of us would do? We'd probably move somewhere else, amen? We probably would. And that's what many of the believers did because the believers said, I don't want to die. And so they went. Now, they didn't just run in fear. You know what they did? They went to the city of Antioch and they preached the gospel there in Antioch. And there was a church that came out of this persecution. 
So Antioch is a city that's about 300 miles away from Jerusalem. It's about 300 miles up the coast. It's in modern-day Turkey, right above that border between Turkey and Syria. You know, if you're looking at the east side of the Mediterranean Sea and it comes up and then it comes over and that's where Turkey is, it's right there kind of at that corner. And so here we are at the city of Antioch and, and they're preaching the gospel and, and people are getting saved and they're being added to the church. And, and now we see this this goal of missions becoming more and more clear. And I want to see four truths regarding missions that we need to keep in mind if our mission is to be missions. First of all, I see the church of missions. I see the church of missions. Because not every church has a mission that is missions. A lot of churches have a mission that is something different from missions. You know, there's a lot of churches whose goal is simply to gather as many people together as possible. Their goal is just to be the biggest church possible. There are some churches whose goal is to be the most influential church possible and maybe get involved with some politics and get involved with, you know, the, these governmental, you know, uh, uh, positions and things like that. There, there are some individuals and some churches that, that might have that goal in mind. There are some churches that, that uh, you know, their goal is just to get involved with some social programs and things like that. And, and uh, you know, it's not wrong to necessarily get involved in, in some things, but what is the goal of the church? The goal should be missions. You know, Antioch is not the only church around at this time. Of course, we know that there's the church at Jerusalem, right? That's the very first church. Of course, the apostles are all there. There are many, many believers that are still there. And, and there's a church that is there. I'm sure that there are other churches elsewhere. We know that Philip, he went into Samaria and he was preaching the gospel there. And, and many got saved and many trusted Christ. And I'm sure that there are some churches there in that area as well. And I'm sure that there are other churches around. But God points out this one church and select some individuals out of this church in order to send them out with the purpose of missions. And I want to take a look at what kind of a church this was. What kind of a church was it that God called out these two individuals? Well, we see that there are prophets and teachers that are there. Verse number one, now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers. So the word prophet means not here not telling the future, but they're proclaiming the word of God. And so this was a church that was strong in preaching and teaching. Amen? All right, you see where we're going with this? The, the church there is strong in preaching and teaching. They were mentioned here in the verses. They are mentioned by name. We see that Barnabas, he was a preacher and a teacher of the word of God. We see that Simeon, he was a preacher and a teacher of the word of God. Lucius was a preacher and teacher of God's word. Menaean also was a preacher and a teacher, and of course Saul also. We see that there's a group of people that are preachers and teachers. It's interesting, the way that it's mentioned is it just says that the church had certain prophets and teachers. It's not exclusive to pastors Amen? 
It's not exclusive to just those that are maybe in a particular position, but they were just there and they preached and they taught the word of God. A church whose mission is missions is one who preaches and teaches the word of God fervently. Hey, we need to continue to be a church that focuses on the word of God. We need to be a church that preaches and teaches the word of God. God's word must be at the center of our church if we are going to be a church whose mission is missions. We must continue to hold to the word of God. We must continue to preach and teach the word of God. We must continue to obey the word of God. Amen. Hey, we need to follow the word of God. And when we follow the word of God, guess what we're going to do? We're going to follow the mission that Jesus Christ had. And his mission was missions. We also see that this was a church that was not just one that preached and taught the word of God, but we also see that they were servants, that they obeyed the word of God. Verse number two, as they ministered to the Lord. Hey, this was a serving kind of a church. Amen? Man, I want to I be a part of a serving kind of a church, don't you? I mean, we want to be in a group of people where we're going to help each other and we're going to serve one another and we're going to look out and see what does another believer need? How could I help them? How could I help this individual? How could I help that family? How could I help these people over here? And, and we see that there was a church here whose mission was missions and they were a serving kind of a church. They were ministering as they ministered. And notice what it says. It doesn't just say that they ministered. It says that they ministered to the Lord. Hey, never forget that your ministry in the church is first to the Lord. Always remember that when you come to church, you don't have to look around and think about who it is that you're serving for and consider their reaction. You know, sometimes you serve an individual and you try to do your best to help another individual and, and the reaction that you might get is, not necessarily the best. You're like, oh, okay, all right, fine. I was trying to help you. And, all right, I'm going to go somewhere else. But if we remember that our service is to the Lord, we know that the Lord always sees and recognizes what we do. We always know that God will recognize what we do. And so we as a church, when we serve, always remember that your service is to the Lord. And so we see that there was a church whose mission was missions. They preached and they taught the word of God in the church, in their families. When they were just with their friends, they would teach the word of God and discuss it. We also see that they would serve. We also see that they fasted as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. You know, the word of God, when you see fasting, it's all, almost always tied with prayer, right? Praying and fasting. Right? And so when we see this, we see that they fasted. We might also assume that they were a church that prayed. They were a praying kind of a church. A church whose mission is missions is one that prays to the Lord. That is asking God, God, will you work in us? God, will you work through us? God, will you do something through our church and through our people? And here was a church that is preaching and teaching the word of God. And, and they're trying to help people to grow. They want to see people to be saved. And, and they're serving one another. And they're helping one another. And they're praying and they're fasting. And while they are doing all of these things, they're preaching the word of God. They're praying and they are serving we see then the call of missions. 
We see then that this call of missions comes. That's what verse number two is saying. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Paul and uh, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. Here is God moving in this church to send these two men out to be missionaries. To do the work of God. To see people to be saved. To see people, to hear the truth, to hear that God loves them. To hear that they are in their sin and that a Savior died for them. And here is two men that were called by God to go out as missionaries. We see that this call to missions, I mean, you see that it is a selection from God. You see that God is the one that calls. God is the one that calls. Do you have a calling from God? You need a calling from God, amen? You need to know what it is that God is calling you to do. You need to know God's calling for you in your life, in your family. What is your calling in your family? Hey, if you're a husband, it's clear the calling that you have. If you're a wife, the calling is clear. If you're a parent or a child, obviously the, the calling is clear, but also as a church member, you need to have a calling, amen? You need to have a calling here in your church. You need to have a place where you say, I know that God has called me to be in this place, to serve in this way, and to be involved in this church. And you need to have a calling, and that calling needs to come from God, amen? Hey, that calling can't come from another individual, you can't be serving because, well, bro brother, this uh, guy over here, he's the one that called me to serve in this area. No, 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 no. You need to have a calling from God that says, I'm going to get involved in my church. I'm going to serve in my church. I'm going to do what is needed because God has spoken to me and told me clearly, clearly this is what I need to do and this is where I need to be. Do you have your calling? Do you have your calling that you know this calling is from God? And when you have your calling from God, it means that you can stay faithful to that calling because you know that God will be faithful. You know, sometimes people get their calling from men. Oh, you know, this person, you know, they were in the church and they, you know, they asked me to serve and they asked me to do these things. And then as soon as that person falls away or that person leads to some other place, then this person also begins to fall away. You know what happened? Hey, they were doing some things, but their calling didn't come from God. Their calling came from another individual. And we need to be careful that even though, you know, pastor or some other individuals might ask for your help, remember, hey, my calling ultimately comes from the Lord. And we see that God called these individuals to missions. And really, every single one of us also has a call to missions. Every one of you has a call to missions, amen? You all have a call to missions. You. You say, me? I, I have a calling to missions. Does that mean I need to go to another country? Does that mean that I need to pack up all of my things and go on deputation and, and go and be a missionary to a foreign country? No. Of course not. We need some people here at Bible Baptist Church, amen? All right, we need you here. But you know what? The city that we live in is a mission field. Hey, the county that we live in is a mission field. The state that we live in is a mission field. The country that we live in is a mission field. Hey, every one of us has a calling to missions. Hey, we see that there's a selection from God, that God 
chooses individuals and he calls them to missions. And really, he calls every one of us. Some to go around the world. Some to stay here and to preach the gospel here. The call of missions is a service that is to the Lord. It's a labor for the Lord. When you see in verse number 2, it says, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work. And when you look at your missionaries, and you see the, the places that they go, sometimes those places that they go are places that people go for vacation, right? We support some missionaries that are in Thailand. You know what? We have people all around the world that go to Thailand for vacation. Hey, we have a missionary that works in the, he, he, he's uh, planning a church or planted a church and, and serving in, in the London area. Hey, there are a lot of people that want to go take a vacation and go visit England and go to London and go see the sights and go see Big Ben and go see the, the river and go see all of the sights and go see Buckingham Palace and go eat some fish and chips or whatever it is that they do over there, right? I mean, there's some people over there, but when you see your missionaries, don't think that your missionaries just going around eating fish and chips every single day and looking at Big Ben and seeing all the sights. You know what they're doing? They're working. They're laboring, amen? And we got some missionaries that are laboring diligently laboring faithfully some in in some very hard fields and yet they are they continue to labor and i really think that it would be helpful for every individual if possible if possible to go on a mission trip even if it's not like around the world maybe just go to a church plant that's here in southern california just to see some of the things that go on you know, you consider somebody like uh, Brother Paul, he went out of our church and he's planted a church and, and they're doing great and they're doing wonderful and, and uh, all, the, all the news that I've heard from there is great and wonderful, but they don't have their own building yet. So you know what they have to do? Every single weekend they have to go in for a couple hours and set everything up. So they have this big old trailer and they take everything over there, all of the sound equipment, all of the things that they need. They have a, a baptistry, a portable bath. When they want to baptize people, they have this big, huge tub that they fill up with water and they baptize people in it. And uh, they, they got to take it over there and take it back every single weekend. Hey, it's a great thing to go to a foreign mission field and to see some of the things that our missionaries go through and the, and the, the conditions that they, they face, the hardships. I think it's a great thing for everyone if, it's, if they're able to, to go on one of these trips. I love living in America. I love being in America. And, and there are many side benefits, but I really believe that the greatest benefit of living in this country is having a Christian heritage that's been passed down from many different churches, many different individuals. Being able to see strong churches to preach the gospel and things like that. And many other countries around the world, many different places that our missionaries in, they don't have that. They're the only one preaching the gospel in their city. Hey, they're the only ones that are there. And, and they don't have anybody else. And, and people come and they, they teach them the word of God. And it's the very first time that they've even heard any of this. We see that there is a call to missions. That is for missionaries, of course, but it's really for every one of us as well. Thirdly, I see the company 
of missions. The company of missions. So when you hear the word company, what are you thinking of? You're thinking of like Apple. You're thinking of Google. You're thinking of these big companies, right? But the word company really just means a group of people. So there is a group of people for missions. Verse number two, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. So there are two individuals that are there called to go out to missions. But it's not like that church in Antioch is just saying, all right, See you later, Barnabas. It was nice having you here. Let us know when you're back in the area. No, they're going to support them. Amen? They're going to pray for them. And I'm sure that they didn't just send them off empty-handed. They said, hey, if you're going to go preach the gospel, you're going to need some supplies for a little while, at least to get you going. We'll do what we can. Verse number three, and when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. So you see that Barnabas and Saul, they have a plan. They have a destination that they're going to. And so they're there in the island of Cyprus, there in the Mediterranean Sea. And they're, and they're preaching the gospel. And they, they go to the synagogue and they, they see some of the, the Jewish individuals that are there. And they're preaching the gospel there. But at the very end, it also says, and they had also John to their minister. John Mark was there. There's another individual that was there. We see that Barnabas and Saul, they were called to the mission field. But they took along John Mark along for the journey. So it's not just two of them that are there, there's three of them that are there. Going, traveling, preaching, serving, helping one another, I'm sure encouraging one another. And there's a church back home that is helping. Because really, missions is not a solo mission, it's a team mission. Every missionary that we support is not going out there by themselves. They are going with a team. You know, you have some missionaries that go out and, and uh, we, we, we support a few that are, they're single missionaries and, you know, they're not married and they don't have a family, they go out. We have some missionaries that obviously they go with their families. Those that are married and they have their kids, they, they go and so they, they, they have their families there. And so you might say, well, that's the team over there. That's, that's the team that they got, the, you know, our missionary that we're supporting and his wife and their kids, yeah, that's the team over there. But really, we're part of the team as well. We're part of the team as well. You know, whenever you see those airplanes and they're flying into LAX and they're flying out of LAX and you hear that sound, you know, and as it flies by, you know, and you consider who, who is responsible for flying the plane. You say, well, the pilots are responsible for flying that plane, right? Right? They're responsible for flying that plane. But you know, the pilots can't fly the plane all by themselves. Somebody's got to fuel up that airplane. Somebody's got to maintain that airplane. Somebody's got to coordinate the airplanes together. There's so many individuals that are involved in just getting a single airplane off the ground. It's not just one or two individuals that are there in there. You have a big team of individuals that help to get that airplane off the ground and to its destination. 
And every missionary needs a team. And praise the Lord, we get to be part of that team. You're part of that team. Hey, whenever we have a missions conference and, and uh, you know, we have those commitment cards, we ask you to pray and consider, hey, are you going to take that card and, and let me encourage you to commit to missions? Let me encourage you to give to your missionaries. Let me encourage you to, to do some of these things and get involved in missions. That's your opportunity to get involved with the team. To be involved in the team of missions because our missionaries need a team that is going to support them faithfully. Amen? Hey, when you commit to missions, you say, we're, we're going to commit $50 a month. We're going to commit $100 a month. And be faithful in your commitment. Be faithful as a team member. I know sometimes you might say, oh, you know, the, oh, it's really tight this month. And I know I said that I would support them, but, you know, it's really difficult this month. And you know what? It's okay. I'll just skip this month. I'll continue next month. Just remember there's a missionary out there that's going to be missing 100 bucks that month out on the foreign field, with no way to supplement that. Hey, let's go to the Lord and say, God, you know my finances are tough. You know the situation that we're in. But I also know that you want me to be involved in missions, and you moved in my heart to commit. God, I want you to supply the need to be able to help and to continue to support this missionary, that I want to be a help. I want to be a part of this team. Fourthly and lastly, we see the cause of missions. When we see verse number four, it says, And they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. So now they're in the, the, the island of Cyprus, and, and they're at Salamis now. They preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had also John to their minister. So they're preaching. And when they had gone through the isle unto Paphos, so they're on the one side, they land at Salamis, and now they go to the other side to Paphos. They found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet. There's a Jewish man whose name was Bar-Jesus. That word Bar means son. So Bar-Jesus means the son of Jesus. His, his dad was the name Jesus. Not Jesus Christ, of course. But that was his, his, his father's name. Bar-Jesus, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus. So there's the deputy, the ruler of that area, and his name is Sergius Paulus. And it says that he is a prudent man. He's wise. He's not saved, but he's still wise. And he brings in Barnabas and Saul, and he desires to hear the word of God. So he hears about these individuals, they're preaching and they're teaching, and he says, hey, there's something there. There's something uh, there with those two men and, and what they're saying. I want to hear what they have to say. And he calls them in. But Elemis, the sorcerer, Elemis apparently being the, the alternate name of this man, Bar-Jesus, Elemis, the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. So here is this uh, uh, kind of uh, leaned upon counselor to the deputy. And he sees what is going on. He sees what is being taught. And he's trying to keep the deputy from hearing and from, uh, from uh, getting saved and believing. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him. Verse number 10 says, and said, O full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? Wow, that's strong teaching, amen? 
That's strong teaching. That's strong preaching. He's saying to this man, O fool of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? Now, everything that Paul said was true, wasn't it? He was following in the ways of the devil. He was perverting the ways of what was right. He was the enemy of all righteousness. And Paul is boldly preaching against him. And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee. And thou shalt uh, be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. He says, as proof that you are who I say that you are, you're going to be blind for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness. And he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. So you see this miracle. Here's this one who is opposing Paul and Saul. And Saul tells him, you're a child of the devil. Hey, you're against all righteousness. And you're going to be blind for a season. And immediately he is blinded and he's looking for somebody to help him because he can't see where he's going. You would think, wow, the deputy would be like, whoa, look at this miracle. I should believe them. And it says, then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed. You might think, wow, look at that miracle. If we had miracles like that today, everybody would be saved. But do you see why he believed? The Bible doesn't say that he believed because of the miracle. It says being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Hey, you remember in Luke chapter number 16, there was the story of the rich man and Lazarus. Remember there were two individuals there that were close by. The rich man obviously lived in a, in a great home and a palace, and, and there was Lazarus just feeding off the crumbs that would fall off the table. And the, and the Bible says that, that Lazarus, he died, and the rich man, he also died. It's a good reminder, every one of us, we're going to die one day. Hey, one day we're going to face our creator. One day we're going to face the judge, and we're going to have to give an account, give an answer. And God is going to ask us, hey, did you break the law? Hey, were you ever unloving in any situation? Hey, were you ever unkind? Hey, did you ever not forgive? Hey, did you ever lust in your heart? And we're going to have to say guilty. But those, that are, those of us that are saved, we can rely upon the advocate that we have. The Savior, Jesus Christ, who paid for the sins of all of mankind, for the sins of the world. And if you would put your trust in him, you could have forgiveness of sins. And, and when you face the judge, you could have Jesus Christ that says, hey, hey, hey I, I'm going to take care of this one. And go before the judge and say, hey, my client, he's guilty. He did all of those things. But it's all been paid for already. Let him go free. And the judge will look at everything and he'll say, yeah, everything's been paid. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Hey, it's a good reminder that we're all going to face death one day. And here is a rich man, and here is Lazarus. They both died, but they didn't end up in the same place. The rich man ended up in this place called hell. A very real place. And he sees off in the distance this place that we called Abraham's bosom, we see that there's Abraham and Lazarus, and, and the rich man sees Lazarus, and, and he sees that Abraham's over there, and he, he asks Abraham, Abraham, will you, will you send Lazarus over here? I just, I just want a drop of cold water to cool me off, for I'm tormented in this flame. And Abraham says, that's not possible. We, nobody can cross over this chasm. 
And he says, okay, can you send Lazarus then to my home? I have five brothers. And if nothing changes, they'll end up in the same place. And Abraham says, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear that. He says, they have the word of God. That's all that they need. And the rich man says, no, but if somebody were to rise again from the dead and told them, they would believe. Abraham says, even if somebody rose from the dead, they wouldn't believe. If they don't believe God's word. You know what we need? We need God's word. You know what we need? We need to use God's word. Hey, you know what we need? We need the Holy Spirit to work through God's word. We need the word of God. Because the deputy here, when he saw what was done, he believed. Why? Being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. The teaching and preaching of Saul. He saw what Saul said. And, and though there was a miracle that was done, he saw what Saul said. And he said, I want to believe that. And he trusted in Christ as a Savior, and he was saved on that very day. You know why God separated Barnabas and Saul from a great church where they had a great place of service and ministry? And I'm sure that they were very joyous in all that was going on there. Why God separated them and sent them out so that this deputy could be saved. Hey, aren't you glad that God separated somebody out so that you could be saved? Hey, aren't you glad that somebody separated somebody out and they moved to one place and maybe they preached the gospel and some people were saved and, and somebody there began to minister and maybe ministered to you and gave you the gospel and that's how you got saved? Maybe you're glad that somebody organized a teen camp like where I got saved and, and they organized something and the preacher came and he preached the word of God and God worked on my heart and I got saved. And Aren't you glad for those that were involved in the call of mission so that you could be saved? Hey, that's the mission of our church. The mission is missions. Hey, let's not forget the mission. Hey, there's going to be a lot of activities going around in our church. We've got a lot of things, a lot of busyness going on, but let's never forget the mission. The mission is always missions.